Michelle's dad begs God to help him and God's like, nah, mate, you're on your own. This film's a mess. Welcome back to Witch Fix. Today I'm going to be looking at the second film in the Witchcraft series. You might remember me reviewing the first one, which from my perspective was yesterday, but I was looking at prices of DVDs for it and it was quite expensive and then I found it on YouTube so I thought, you know what, I'll just settle down on a nice Sunday afternoon and watch what may be a pornographic film about witches. We're not sure. Um, uh, you might remember from the review of the first one that uh, I said it was like a 16 movie series which slowly drifted into the softcore porn area. Uh, I'm trusting that maybe that won't happen with it just being the second one, but uh, I've already seen some evidence to the contrary, so. Quick trigger warning for this film in that it does, like the first one, include mentions and depictions of suicide. Uh, not as strong as the first movie though, so it's got that going for it, I guess. And also a scene which could be construed as sexual assault and I say could be because I'm still not entirely sure what happens and one of the participants was a ghost so I'm warning for that just in case it's a scene that upsets people but I honestly don't know what was happening in that scene. Uh, let's just get right into it. The opening scene is a, a ritual uh, with like candles and blood and it's sort of the same as the first movie um, we see Elizabeth as well, who was a character from the first movie, still portrayed by the same actress. She was one of the witches who were burnt at the stake and then reincarnated. And we actually saw her die at the end of the last movie, so I'd be interested to see if it explains how she came back. Unfortunately, the first word of the entire movie, like the first spoken word, filled me with despair. Because she starts doing the speech from Macbeth, which is um, like you know, the witches making their potion. But instead of saying fillet of a fenny snake, she says fillet, which I know is what Americans say when they mean like a fillet of beef. But I feel like you don't say fillet, it's Shakespeare. You've, you've thrown off the syllables. Ah! Also, I don't really know why the, the Shakespeare verse is being used here. Um, maybe they thought no one would notice, or maybe it's like an homage, or maybe it's just... I don't know, weirdness. At the end of the ritual, Elizabeth pours over a big bowl of blood and then she picks up a wine glass and takes a drink, puts the wine glass down and then a different lady standing exactly where she was picks it up. Presumably this is the temptress of the subtitle because the subtitle of Witchcraft 2 is The Temptress. She has kind of white bleach blonde hair, red fingernails. I'm really confused as to whether it is Elizabeth in like a glamour because we saw this woman lying on the table like in a mortuary and presumably she was naked but now she's somehow fully clothed and standing up so I don't know if it's Elizabeth have taken her likeness or has actually like reanimated this body somehow maybe that will be explained later on we don't know then we cut back over to uh introduce some new characters and there's a guy called Will who is the baby from the first film but grown up uh, he's about to start college, apparently, but he does look like he is 30, so he's going to be the world's oldest freshman. He's also trying to get it on with his girlfriend, who's wearing a little pink sweater and a crucifix, so he's probably not going to have much luck there. But he decides that air guitar is the cure for blue balls. Of course it is. The man's a genius. But she definitely sticks to the, the whole I'm a good girl thing for about 20 seconds and then takes her shirt off. And occasionally during the resulting kind of softcore stripping scene, uh, we get a, like a cut to the outside of the house and you can hear a dog growling. So 
I'm interested to see what that's about. What follows is just straight up confusing. The two lovebirds who are, you know, approaching geriatric pension age, they um, decide to, you know, get it on. And then just as the zipper comes down, the doorbell rings. Ah ha ha ha, a farce. Um, so they get up kind of panicked, thinking it's the girl's dad. And they go downstairs. Will opens the front door. Um, we see some shots while they're coming downstairs of the temptress and basically just a lot of, like, red fingernails. She's got a snake belt and a pentacle ring. So I'm kind of digging it. But she also removes quite a large glass bottle from her cleavage. And not like a little type vial thing, which is like a single serving of poison. This is like a straight up, quite a decent sized perfume bottle. But okay. Removes this from her cleavage and then just does pours like a dot of blood onto the front doorstep for no reason that I can tell, but I, I don't know. We'll see what that's all about. The confusing part starts when Will opens the door and is like, oh, hi, you look different. And she's like, oh, good, different or bad, different. And I'm like, you haven't met. We haven't seen either of you met. As far as I know as the viewer, this woman was a corpse and now she's just walking around. Um, so I was slightly worried that I was watching like the wrong version of the movie or a version that had been incompletely copied onto YouTube. I went over to Wikipedia and it does seem that this is how the plot is meant to go. Wikipedia, however, did nicely fill me in that this woman is apparently his neighbour. I'm waiting for the film to tell me that, but uh, in the meantime, thanks Wikipedia, you're the real MVP. Because the plot summary on Wikipedia, however great it may have been, was not like a step-by-step -step going through the film, uh, I then had to look up another video on YouTube, and this one was by um, Obscurus Looper, which was it's a really good video I encourage you to go watch it and I'll link it down below because she has like the clips and stuff and she's quite funny in her commentary on this movie and the rest of the witchcraft series I kind of went back to that just to make sure that from her recounting of the movie I was definitely watching a version that hadn't been cut in any way and from her video it seemed that she was pretty sure that the um neighbour character Dolores had actually been taken over or possessed in some way by um, Elizabeth, the, the witch. There didn't seem to be any explanation offered in that video as to how Elizabeth was back, but I digress. So we'll just presume for the moment that the temptress is being possessed by Elizabeth. I'm doing a lot of air quotes, which, again, don't really transfer podcasts, but assume I'm just being very sarcastic. Anywho, the temptress, whoever she may have been or is or will be, has left a small box on the porch. It's sort of wrapped loosely in hessian fabric and has a creepy ripped edged note that looks like it was written in blood. And she's like, oh, I didn't leave that there. It must have been there when I got here anyway. Bye. Um, you can probably guess by that impression that she's not the best actress in the world. I mean, she is hot, which I'm assuming is why she was hired, but she, she's not the best actress. Anywho, uh, Will takes this parcel inside, presumably with great difficulty because of his ageing arthritic bones, and then proceeds to smell it, which is weird. I don't know what has happened to him in his previous life that he now has to bring packages into his home and smell them prior to opening, but... Perhaps it's to do with his friend Boomer, who he thinks is responsible for sending him said creepy package. I don't know if the package was conjured by, like, the dropping of the blood onto the floor, because that's not really called back to, so I'm just going to assume that it was. Uh, but he doesn't get the time to open it after smelling, um, because the phone rings upstairs. Who doesn't have a phone downstairs? What? 
Anyway, so he runs off giving me mysterious package blue balls, so I had to do some furious air guitar while I waited for, you know, the package to actually be opened in a later scene. Will has an entirely pointless conversation with his girlfriend, who is already boring me, but I remembered her name, it's Michelle. Uh, and then we see his loved up parents coming home from date night, and they stop in the street to make out a little bit and talk about how they took him and how they've raised him and how they're worried about some unspecified bad thing happening when he moves away and has to look after himself and make his own choices. So there's a lot of like info dumping there, but I think what we're meant to take away from that is that they adopted him, probably not legally, after the events of the first film. I don't know what actually happened to his birth mother, but presumably someone will explain that at some point but that they are currently being his parents and are worried about him going off to college. Will is asleep and downstairs the mysterious package of no discernible origin or odour begins to pulsate, then to scream and finally to bleed while ghost faces come out of it. Of course, now in these enlightened times, we know that just means your Amazon Prime membership is about to expire and that you have to sacrifice another child. But he panics anyway and gets up on his bare chest um, you see a, an upside down pentacle, um, which would be quite scary and quite effective if it moved when he did. It just kind of sits in midair. So even though he's kind of shifting from side to side as a normal human being does while even standing still, it doesn't move at all, which looks kind of weird. He's had a bunch of dreams about basically the events of the last movie and the witch burnings. So uh, he's a bit panicked and sweaty and he comes running downstairs to, I guess, smell the package some more. He opens the box at long last and uh, inside the package is a large wooden box which he opens and I don't know who packaged this because you could probably have fit what is in there into a small regular sized envelope but basically it looks like a bronze age nipple pasty. It's a sort of brown metal small dish with lots of like dents and pitting in it which is about the size of like the palm of my hand and did not require being in such a large box. The next morning, his mum is trying to wake Will up from the bottom of the stairs. I mean, he's 30. He should be in charge of his own timekeeping by now, but whatever. And she looks down at the whole table, discovers the box, then looks inside it. We never get to see what's inside it, or we don't up until this point anyway. I don't know if we do later. Um, so she just kind of looks in it, gets a bit spooked, takes it to show to Will's adopted dad. And they both decide that this is bad and means that they have found us which doesn't sound good, and that Will will get a subsequent package that night and then the following night, and at that point he will know everything. I mean, if they wanted to, like, stop him getting these packages, they probably could just bury them somewhere or throw them away or burn them or do whatever it is that you do to post that you don't want. But uh, whatever, they seem just set to let this happen. Will's parents then ask to see the mysterious thing that turned up in the box which he refers to as an ashtray but I'm still going to refer to as a bronze age nipple pasty because why not he goes upstairs but as he goes upstairs to go and look for it it vanishes from the table he says he can't find it later on while he's walking across town for some unknown purpose maybe to go to school uh, he finds it again in his shirt pocket after the temptress is seen randomly like waving her arms around in the background like she's waiting for the Madonna video to start. We then get introduced to Boomer, who is wearing a hat, which has been modified with various dangling charms. He's got one Twinkie in each hand, and he does a very weird and obviously quite offensive Jamaican accent at one point. So 
he's very quickly established as a douche. But Will is able to establish that Boomer is not responsible for the nipple pasty being sent to his house. However, in cleaning it off slightly um, from dirt or detritus or some kind, he sees that there is something written on it and then says that he's going to hunt down someone called Audrey, who obviously we don't know who that is. Um, because she's apparently weird and will probably know what it says. Foolproof research plan. Apparently Audrey's weird means Audrey uses the library because Will then bumps into her carrying a comically large Hermione Granger style pile of books out of the library. They talk for a bit and trade insults, uh, which isn't very interesting. But then he asks her what the strange markings on his nipple pasty are and she says that they're Latin. So presumably he was unable to recognise letters which doesn't bode well for his college career anyway she says that she'll look into trying to translate what's on it if he can get her a date with boomer who uh i know i've described a little bit but basically he looks like christian slater's hillbilly cousin and she looks like a normal girl that they have just put glasses and a ponytail on in their age-old way of making someone look unattractive apparently Audrey's got issues. Anywho, so I guess the nipple pasty is at some point going to be translated and that will push the plot forwards because apparently we need some pushing because nothing's happening so far. Apparently Will isn't going to school today because he then just kind of wanders around and then heads home, at which point he sees the Temptress, aka his next door neighbour Dolores, in black stilettos and a little like pair of lacy leggings that kind of come down to the knee and a tight top. Um, on a very kind of shaky, unreliable looking metal ladder up by the roof, and she is brushing the roof. She's not cleaning out the gutters or trying to get a frisbee or any of the other reasons that you would probably climb up a ladder in the 80s. What she's doing is literally holding like one of those little hearth brushes that kind of looks like a big paintbrush and just kind of dusting the roof tiles. But I guess it was an excuse for him to perv on her on a ladder so it didn't need to be convincing in any way. She does a little bit of a wobble and he of course rushes over to grab her thighs and steady her on the ladder, at which point he, she asks him to keep steadying her while she finishes the completely necessary task of sweeping a square foot of her roof. She then gets down with her pristine and brand new brush and dustpan, I realise I'm probably the only person annoyed by this, but still, and uh, then says that after all this time, they can hardly see it, as if referencing maybe like a scar on his face or something. Uh, and he says, oh yeah, you know, the accident. Oh no, how did you know about that? And then she says that she knows his real parents. So presumably he, he knows that the people he's living with are not his real parents. But it doesn't seem like he was officially adopted. So you kind of think they would have lied to him and tried to keep that quiet. But okay, movie, whatever. And uh, then the temptress decides that she hasn't been tempting enough in the 20 or so minutes that this movie has been going, so she just starts randomly coming on to him. Clearly she is a master at her art because she's gone from the, oh yes, come and touch my butt for a completely valid reason, to talking about his dead parents, and then she goes in for a thigh squeeze. So she's done a kind of weird grief eroticism sandwich there. Not won over by this masterful technique, Will just kind of backs away and leaves now earlier at breakfast his mum or adopted mum or whatever said that he looked a bit peaky and shouldn't go to school that day to which he answered that he was fine thus implying that this was a school day but he seems in no particular hurry to go to school and neither do any of the other kids so he then has like a really weird vision type thing except he's not asleep it's not really clear where he is 
But he kind of imagines that he's gone to Michelle's house, gone upstairs, and found her in a weirdly empty room having sex with someone who I think was Boomer, but it was too dark and low-res to tell. So he randomly just goes to her house and starts, like, bashing on the door, and she is there. So at least three kids have just decided not to go to school today for no given reason, which is very odd. Michelle tells Will that Audrey phoned there for him and that she wants him to call her as soon as possible, which, considering that Audrey said that it would take a while to, you know, translate the Latin thing, I actually had to skip back and make sure that this was still the same day, because literally we saw the scene with Audrey, then he did the whole, like, ladder bit with the temptress, then he had that weird vision, then he was here. So it seems like this is the same day and probably only about, like, an hour later, but somehow... Not only is, like, no one at school, uh, Audrey has also managed to translate some very difficult Latin in this time, so I officially just don't understand what's happening. Will phones Audrey, and she has only managed to translate, I guess, the first part of what the weird dish thingy nipple cover says, but it says, to unfold matters hidden in gloom beneath the earth, or something like that, which is basically as clear as mud, no pun intended. Uh, and I guess she's going to work on the rest of it because, God forbid, anyone actually goes to school today. She also says that she managed to find this particular passage, so she hasn't looked at the individual words. She's somehow managed to find the whole sentence in a book, which is like an old manuscript about witchcraft. Anyway, Audrey says that there's more to what she's trying to tell him, but she can't describe it to him over the phone. He has to see it himself and that he should come to her house or she should go to his house after work because apparently she works at the library, so she is also not at school. We then get a scene with someone who is not Will in it because we see his mum taking a really weird looking pot roast out of the oven and then she turns around and the temptress is there and they have a little bit of a tete-a-tete where she is like, oh, Will will never fall for your wiles because he's in love with a pure spirit. And then the temptress, who is played by not a great actress, just kind of laughs while rolling her head backwards and forwards on her neck like, ah-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha, men are dogs. Uh, and then his mum tries to stab the Tentress, but it doesn't really take, even though she waves her hands at her like she's doing a witchy thing and goes, die, 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 die. And I appreciate the sentiment. But she does not die, 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 die. She gets up and I think stabs his mum right back and then says something about how her puny white magic could not do anything. So it's pretty clear from that that his adoptive parents are witches, but I guess good witches and not evil witches. So I guess that's fine. Audrey shows up at Will's house while he's going around town with Boomer, having a great time. Uh, and she follows mysterious noises deeper and deeper into what appears to be a deserted house. So in my opinion, she deserves everything she gets. And what she gets is Will's mum suddenly appearing behind her, but now sporting a more evil hairstyle and with a popped collar on her blouse for some reason. And then the next shot we get is Audrey being thrown out of an upstairs window. So... R.I.P. In defence of Will's possibly possessed mother, she did get some pretty good distance on Audrey because she goes completely over like the side garden of the house and onto the sidewalk, which is like a fair way. And Will and Boomer are just coming up at that moment, so they see it happen, they run straight to her body. Boomer, who didn't give two shits about Audrey for some reason, just breaks down into hysterical tears and is like, oh my god, she's dead. Ah! While Will goes to the piece of paper that Audrey had clutched, again, very Hermione Granger-like, in her hand, which has some occult symbols on it, and I'm guessing tells him everything he needs to know about 
whatever is going on. That night, lying awake in the room in which one of his close friends was recently murdered, Will is reading the piece of paper which says that witches often use magic to take possession of their intended targets and that they can cause hallucinations or visions. That's as far as he gets before a weird white beam of light beams a new nipple cover straight into his bedroom. At least he has two now and no one will make fun of him. Will's dad then comes in and gives him a heartfelt little talk that starts off with, yeah, your friend's dead, that's pretty sad, and ends up with, your mum and I are witches and we stole you from some bad witches who'd stolen you from your parents. And witches are real and also other stuff. Uh, which obviously hits Will like a, a ton of bricks, poor lad, but I get the feeling he's not going to be given much time to get used to the idea. Will asks his dad what the deal is with the ashtray, and his dad kind of talks around the question, but basically says that they've been found by one of the witches that they took him from, and that they don't know who that could possibly be, because they can shapeshift into anyone, but a warlock always has to be a male, and a witch always has to be a female, so I guess that they can only shapeshift into their own gender, which seems pointlessly restrictive, but okay. Dolores interrupts this lovely chat by turning up at the door, ringing the doorbell again, and then just casually readjusting her stockings while she waits, because that's what people do. Will's dad goes downstairs, um, doesn't seem to really notice anything odd about his neighbour, although, to be fair, we never saw her previous to this transformation, if there was a her before this happened it's still very confusing to me as to whether she existed prior to this or if she's new or whatever but will said she looked like she'd changed so that suggests they had prior knowledge of her dad doesn't notice anything weird about that and then when he turns around to call for will she throws some glitter on him and tells him to go and fetch his wife from the church so he fucks off in a stupor and uh now dolores has will all to herself ha 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 she decides to try and tempt Will, as is her nature as the temptress, and proceeds to tell him that she can give him what Michelle won't, and then, I don't know, she kind of like, I guess, licks him a bit and blows a bit on his face, and then he's like, no, and he gets up and runs out of the house. Whether due to loyalty to Michelle or just sheer unnervedness as to what this woman is trying to do to him, only time will tell. Turns out, Will decided that the best place to run would be to Michelle's house, so I guess maybe he is loyal to Michelle, or maybe not, because he goes straight into her dad's study to have a little conversation with him about the nature of good and evil, because her dad is a preacher. Meanwhile, upstairs, Michelle gets a very weird phone call from Will's mum, who I presume is still possessed, and then straight after that, her bedroom door slams, everything on her nightstand gets shaken off by a sort of mini earthquake. And then some unseen presence divests her of her dressing gown, throws her around the room in her underwear for a bit, and then tries to smother her with a pillow. A lot of mixed signals from this strange ghostly presence. This sequence gets really bizarre, especially because Michelle's legs are like wide open and she's kind of humping at the air, so I don't really know what the ghost is meant to be doing. But she's also screaming bloody murder and her dad and Will, who are allegedly in the same house as her, can't hear so much as a peep, which is very odd because they keep having long, meaningful silences, the kind in which screaming from another room in the house would be incredibly obvious, but somehow they don't notice Michelle either fighting for her life or having ghost sex right above their heads. Not to be deterred by the house's apparent soundproofing, Michelle apparently manages to fight off the ghost long enough to grab a blanket, wrap herself in it, and come barreling downstairs screaming for her dad, at which point he regains the ability to hear. 
Will decides to tenderly handle this horrifying moment for her where she's basically hysterical by screaming what happened directly into her ear because maybe she's also hard of hearing because she inherited it from her dad. He then goes upstairs to not find a ghost lying in her bed smoking a cigarette but to find yes another mysterious package. Now, this package also gets beamed in from nowhere, which kind of begs the question as to why the first one had to be personally delivered by the temptress. Also, the second one was the only one that didn't come in the box wrapped in hessian, so I guess maybe the otherworldly gift wrapper was taking the day off. Either way, he tears the hessian off, opens the box, and inside is... No, not a third metal nipple guard, because you only have two nipples, guys. It's a stick. I thought it was like a bone or something at first, but it appears to be like a little metal stick that kind of looks like a screw, but at both ends. So basically a useless screw. Will kind of looks at this weird screw for about 30 seconds longer than is relevant to show on screen, then decides that he doesn't really know anything about DIY, so he goes back downstairs, at which point Michelle's dad goes berserk at him because she has an upside down pentagram on her chest, and he realises so does he. So now blaming Will for whatever it was that just happened to Michelle, I guess we'll never know. He kind of chases Will out of the house and Will then decides to run, like it's the last scene of Ferris Bueller's day off, all the way across town and back to his house and his possessed mother, who is definitely now wearing a lot more makeup than she was at the beginning of the movie, as well as some fetching snake-shaped earrings. Will's mum, who's definitely kind of handsy and also probably applying more eyeliner in between shots, leads him upstairs and tells him that she's going to show him the truth she then takes him to a trunk in which his old baby blanket and birth certificate are being kept and then proceeds to basically tell him the story of the first movie with clips and like flashbacks to that movie and maybe it's just because I watched that movie yesterday but I didn't really need to see it again in flashback form so I was kind of wondering why that was there. She also changes what actually happened in the movie. She says that Grace killed both John and Elizabeth when it was actually the mute butler who killed John and then she says that um, after doing that Grace killed herself but couldn't bear to kill her son so obviously just killed herself I guess because she couldn't live with the fact that she'd been in that film at this point Will actually cottons on to the fact that this heavily made up woman who keeps like stroking his face and talking about the devil may not actually be his mum so he tries to strangle her which you know fair his dad then walks in and tries to stop him believing it to be his wife I guess but then Will shoves him and he accidentally knocks his dad out at which point his mum morphs into the temptress and moves a blanket revealing that his actual mum is dead and has been dead probably like the whole time since she disappeared earlier she also causes mum an old whore which is salt in the wound at which point he growls like tony the tiger and does some of the worst fake punching i've ever seen in my life but he follows the punching up by surprise beating the temptress to death with a bat like literally he looks like a miserable child who's crying because he's not having a very good time on his fifth birthday but he's gonna have a go at this pinata anyway because he feels bad that his dad had to spend a whole month's salary on it it's, it's a very weird facial expression and uh, I would advise you to watch the film just for that, to be honest. Obviously the death doesn't take because you can't really kill devil creatures with a baseball bat and so she says, tomorrow night you will be mine and then disappears in a ray of sunshine. William then tries to revive his dad and then 
A little bit later, we see him holding a sheet for some reason, while there is fire in front of him again for some reason. And then after that is just literally a four minute long montage of just the Temptress rolling around on some black satin sheets, trying to do sexy, I guess, but without doing anything that's actually sexy. And it's kind of like a cross between a terrible, like, 80s music video and some kind of herbal essences advert, but if it was goth themed, and I feel like that's doing a disservice to goths. Anyway, William is apparently having none of this because after this massive long as fuck montage is over, he dramatically shouts, no, and throws the random bedsheet that I don't even know why he's got that. Why do you have that, William? And just flings it into the fire to burn and then goes and loads a shotgun. And at this point, I genuinely have no idea what his plan is or what's really going on. It turns out Will's plan is to manfully blow his head off with said shotgun, which I don't see really how that will help anything but okay and then Michelle shows up to stop him and he says that he killed both his parents which is just factually inaccurate because obviously it was the temptress who killed his mum and she admitted that and also I didn't even know his dad was dead I just thought he was unconscious but apparently yeah he's dead. There's a really long and super boring scene in which Michelle convinces him to try and fight the evil in the name of his mother's human half and uh, then she gets her preacher dad round to bless literally every single utensil that could hold some water because they make a butt ton of holy water and decide that they're just going to have a showdown with this bitch. And at this point I had to kind of admire Michelle because she was the only one in the film who seemed to be actually doing something to combat the evil magic. Even like the two good witches who were now sadly dead didn't really do anything insofar as magic or anything at all in terms of telling Will stuff to negate this woman's influence. They just did nothing and then they were dead. Michelle's dad leaves to go home to round up the rest of his crucifix collection. I really wish I was kidding. And then later that night, Michelle and Will lie entwined upon the sofa, surrounded by various buckets and jars full of holy water, which makes it kind of look like the roof is leaking a lot. Um, and they're wondering, where is Michelle's dad? He's been gone an awful long time. We then see Michelle's dad putting a crucifix into an otherwise completely empty box, which he's failing at pretending actually has stuff in it. And then some truly woeful fire effects try to convince you that he actually can't leave his office because there's like a wall of fire keeping him in. But it's literally like if you got like a fire effect from one of those really terrible special effects programs that people use to make their own little like horror films and stuff just to show their friends like when they're doing like GCSE drama if you got one of those fire effects and then just put it right at the forefront of the screen while he was acting and I use that word loosely behind it it it, it doesn't look good let's just leave it there Mr. Michelle's dad begs God to help him and God's like, nah, mate, you're on your own. This film's a mess. So he then dies. But his last word is Michelle. So I guess that will mean a lot to her if she ever finds out about that. Will and Michelle then hear a knocking at the door and deciding that this must be the temptress who, after all, loves to knock before coming into other people's homes. They pick up a giant bucket of holy water, open the door and throw it out like they're trying to kill the Wicked Witch of the West. But surprise, it's Boomer, and now he's all wet. Boomer then squelches off after being told very firmly that he is not wanted at this stakeout. Uh, he squelches off down the street and is promptly murdered by the Temptress to 
the sorrow of no one. And then a box magically appears in the house. It gets opened, obviously, by Will, and inside is a small silver sugar bowl. Maybe he just registered somewhere for wedding gifts and is now confused that they're all turning up. I don't know. Will puts all the things that he has received in these mystery boxes on a table. Weirdly, though, it seems that he only now has the silver sugar bowl, the random stick, and one of the nipple covers. The other nipple cover is a wall. I don't know if when it disappeared in that scene where it disappeared, it disappeared forever, because I thought it popped back into his pocket and then he got another one in a different box, like it got beamed in later, but maybe there was just one? That Maybe that makes more sense. Okay, maybe I just didn't notice that properly, but... Whatever, I'm going to blame the film. This is the point at which probably the only cool thing happens. Everything starts to like rattle and vibrate. All the pots and pans full of holy water go berserk. And the three objects, which have so far appeared random, kind of jump on top of each other to make a wine goblet. So it has like the stick in the middle, the nipple cover is the base, and the weird sugar bowl thing is like the top. It then fills up with blood seemingly from nowhere. I kind of appreciate that, it looked quite cool, but um, I don't think even a magic cup can save this movie now. A lot of bright light starts shooting in from the windows and the door, and then suddenly the front door gets kicked down and walked over by the temptress in a brand new slutty outfit, and I say that with the utmost respect, but she's kind of walking in like she's entering a white snake video, and there's a lot of billowing smoke from some sort of unseen fog machine, which uh, doesn't necessarily detract from that impression. She waves her arms around a bit and then kind of waggles them at Michelle. And Michelle does a pretty good job at looking scared, even though there's nothing really scary going on. And uh, meanwhile, Will is just kind of acting like the smoke was some sort of marijuana hotboxing effect. And he just sort of, by turns, looks surprised, horny or giggly, which are three of my favourite dwarves from Snow White. Apparently the Temptress's big plan this whole time has been to sleep with Will, who, it has to be said, seems equally freaked out by her as he is interested, and therefore get herself knocked up with the next great leader. Um, but I'm still confused as to whether this is actually technically his grandmother and also his reincarnated mother, which is all kinds of disgusting and fucked up, and the film isn't really ever going, seemingly ever going to explain this, so... I remain confused and slightly sickened. Regardless, the Temptress's top comes off and I'm starting to believe that whoever directed or wrote, was this written, this film, didn't really know what sex was because Will and the Temptress proceed to do a lot of tango style dips and then just kind of snuggle on the floor for a bit. And then at some point, Michelle's incessant shrieking manages to snap him out of his presumably aroused days he picks up an unusually but quite handily sharpened crucifix and just stabs the temptress with it at which point she appears to turn back into elizabeth from the first movie and by that i mean they just play elizabeth's death scene from the first movie he also then falls to the ground and is bleeding from the chest and then we see a flashback of john dying in the first movie sort of suggesting that Will is now sustaining that fatal stab injury that John got when he was stabbed by the butler. Michelle continues to scream. We see the temptress ashes finally blow away, and then it just cuts to Michelle and Will reaching for each other across the living room, in like normal clothes, looking normal, uh, and then he sort of just appears at the front of the screen, and then she appears next to him, and then they hug, and then the credits roll. 
Why we needed this scene, I do not know. So there you have it. There is Witchcraft 2. Um, I will say that while the first one had a certain amount of kind of kitsch 1980s horror film value to me in that it had kind of a cohesive plot and was vaguely enjoyable in the kind of tension it set up even if at moments it was incredibly silly this kind of delves all the way into silly but with a side of weird pornographicness that uh, I'm not on board with because it's strange um so I don't know if I'm going to be reviewing the rest of the series because it seems like it's going to go rapidly downhill from here but uh, if you'd like me to give them a look, let me know, like this video or uh, message me on Twitter or by email, which you can get from the description box. And be sure to check out the review of this film I mentioned just to see some of the clips from it so uh, that you know what I had to sit through through an hour and a half. And in the meantime, I'll see you in the next video. Bye!